0: Mother's Day topic. My daughter says this on the way to church this morning. Hey, Dad, could I sit? Uh, Mom's working. Celebrating Mother's Day. My wife, a, a, a mother of four children. You actually get extra Mother's Day when you have four kids. Um, it's like a weekend, the whole thing. Yeah, it's like a Hanukkah thing. You get it's a, series, <laughs> a series of events, and, um, but. So, yeah, Maddie, the six-year-old or 11-year-old on the way to church, wasn't enough she could sit in main service with me. And I'm like, you know, it's, and I don't even know why I said it, because it wouldn't have been a big deal. But I'm like, no, I want you to stay with, you know, your people, <laughs> you know, because we don't like to mix our people. <laughs> your people <laughs> be over here. I'll be over here with my people. Um, now, the thing is, is I was able to take credit for a, a big windfall for her because the uh, topic this morning for Mother's Day, only at Journey could they pull this off, um, was sex. Um <laughs> On Mother's Day. <laughs> and I mean like <laughs> they had like diagrams, but it was, you know, anyway. Um, I'm just kidding. But when I got home to tell my daughter like, Maddie, guess what we talked about this morning when Daddy told you, you know, it couldn't be in big service, you know, it was the topic was sex. She's like Completely mortified me. I don't think she knew that was an option to talk about that at <laughs> church. <laughs> <laughs> you can just feel the heebie-jeebies like forming in her. oh, um, <laughs> all that to say. Honestly, though, I'm kind of making fun. But it was amazing. Like they did a uh, just. It was amazing. I can't even you have to get the podcast. But it was uh, it was crazy amazing. So anyway, uh, we will not be talking about that tonight. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like two weeks ago I pretty much used up my my points for talking about uh, topics that are controversial. So this week we're going to go easy on you. Um, but if you would, what I would, what I'd love to do is uh, look. Here comes Rachel and her her new Winona hair. Yay! Hey, I'm
1: off today. Rachel's accepting. Hey, hey Leslie, we we're
0: discussing uh, with Rachel a little bit ago how she's basically following Winona's footsteps on the hair leadership. <laughs> hair that's a journey, not a destination. It looks good. (laughs) Good Good (laughs) I used to have a hair that was a journey. And then I got old. Um, We haven't done it this way in a while. But, and some of you guys have never been a part of what we used to call Metro Roundtable Discussions. Where we would just I just like basically pull a pin on a grenade and throw it on the table and we'd all just, you know, <laughs> scatter. Um verbally scattered. Uh, and sometimes I just physically like run out the door. Tongues ah um <laughs> I think that was like my son. <laughs> <laughs> ben comes down from like what was it? Like Presbyterian church or was Methodist Methodist Church and second Society, Tuesday we're talking tongues anyway. Um <laughs> next week about, about not five people. Yeah, I was like, Well that'll be enough of that. All the Anderson grads are like, yeah we're heading back up to Brentwood. <laughs> 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 yeah, and I thought we get it. I, honestly, I thought we did a great job of like a well rounded discussion. Nobody, you know, you know, anyway. Oh, well. Um, I, I tell my pastor that I feel like he and I have been on the same journey to the center. Him from the conservative Jerry Falwell mm. side, and me. We both <laughs> headed on the same mountain, but from the other side, me from the crazy uh, charismaniac side. Like, we seem to be meeting in the middle uh, of it, but. um but I was reading this chapter five today, and I and then I thought, well, crap! I think I skipped something last week that was kind of important. And uh, in chapter four, because if you don't take stuff in context, I don't know if you know this, but like Satan actually uses the word to like get us in trouble, like God's own words. Like the very meaning of the word false witness is. Right information, wrong implication. Right When Jesus was being accused on the day of uh, his trial, somebody stood up and said, his witness said, A witness said. he said he was going to tear down the temple uh, and build in three days. That's exactly what Jesus said. It was the right information but the wrong implication because Jesus said it in this broader context of himself and his body. And so sometimes Satan will use the word against us. When, when, when Eve was in the garden, he said, didn't God say <coughs> this? And what was interesting is the way that he worded it and phrased it wasn't what God said. And so it's important that we get stuff right. Because sometimes we'll, you know, use, we used to play a game in youth group uh, when I was a youth pastor and had no, you know, generally this was on a night when I like had a day where I, I, I had nothing, like, I was so busy I mm. had not anything prepared so we'd play it's in the Bible or it ain't, you know, the, the new talk show that's sweeping the nation. Anyway, um, and we'd pull out some random uh, statement that sounded like it should be in the Bible, but it wasn't, you know, the um, uh, hand of the plow, you know, th- those things maybe your daddy used to say, you know, those quotes that, that really weren't in the Bible. Um, and then some that were, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, right? That's in the Bible. And, and we use that a lot of times. It's kind of used to beat us up, but one of the things that's in here that I think that beats us up back in chapter 4 is, where should we start? Okay, so chapter 4 is kind of building up to this rest, okay, this God has promised you and he's promised me this rest that we could enter into, not rest like the Sabbath day rest, even though that's part of the principle, but like the Spirit-filled life of walking in the Lord, that it's not supposed to be this burden, this this crappy thing it's supposed to be you know uh, I, I can't remember the quote but somebody made a statement once it seems like being a Christian is you, you get saved and it's amazing and then you go to heaven and it's amazing and everything in between just sucks um, that's not how it was meant to be and I, unfortunately sometimes kind of related to that I think, well, that kind of makes sense to me but this promises a rest and then in the context of that okay talking about Joshua and not entering into the rest it goes into this passage that we've heard so many times about the word of god is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart and and last week we talked two weeks ago we talked about this in the context of sometimes in our soul so to speak we do things like i kind of you know these people that you know usually the people that announce themselves as well i'm just blunt that's just the way i am you got to deal with it that's them basically justifying themselves being buttholes, okay? Um, but, but that's just the way I am. i got to live authentically. You know, we talked about it in context of some, uh, some folks even maybe in our own community who were saying, I'm living authentically because this is who I am. Uh, and that's in their soul, not in their spirit. And it's this fine line that it feels the same, but it's not. And that's what the Word does. It divides between that. I can say, this is who I am. But if I go to the Word and it doesn't line up, then it doesn't float. I have to go with the Word over the way I think I am, right? And So that's where we kind of left off, but it goes on to say this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him whom we give, must give account. Now that's a passage that has been used... To, again, to kind of beat us down a little bit and bloody us up, uh, you're going to give account, right? You know, you, you do that. You're going to got to you got to give account. And Johnny Cash writes with the song, "God's going to cut you down." Um, bad theology, great song. Um, just a lot of songs, actually. When I think about it, "Fergalicious," for instance, great song, bad <laughs> theology. Um, God's Statement here: that nothing is hidden from from, uh, is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him whom we must give account. If you just take that verse in that context, okay, and that's all you do, it feels kind of harsh. It feels like, oh man, that sucks because I got a lot of stuff. Okay, you know, I got a lot of stuff I'm going to be given account for when I stand before Him, and. This jumped out at me a lot today because a couple of days ago I was down at St. Thomas with a young man who has been around here a little bit. He was uh, metro a lot, who had had an unexpected uh, interruption of his life where his bizarro brain surgery thing. Like, you know, 19 years old, and, you know, I go to see him in St. Thomas, and he's literally laying on his side. They're about to cut the back of his head open the next morning. You know, he can't move at all, he's completely jacked up on morphine, which is a lot of fun. I don't know if you've been around people that are <laughs> jacked up on morphine, but they'll say anything. Um, but what's great about that as well was listening to him talk about what was really in his heart, and what was really in his heart was he, man, he was scared crapless because he didn't know if he was ready to see the Lord. He was using phrases like, well, "I want to make sure my relationship is right with God." Right, those things that you and I have maybe said, but don't—that's not in the Word, and. And he was really scared. And he was scared because he knew that he had a lot of things that he was going to, quote, have to give account for. And so, you know, the evening ends with, you know, me praying with him and he was crying. And, you know, the tears at first were of terror, and then the tears finally turned into (laughs) tears of joy and relief, knowing that if he didn't wake up the next day, that he was going to be okay. And what I wanted to jump out and... And I don't know. Maybe we discussed this. I, I mean, I don't really have a plan. I don't have a whiteboard. I, you know, um, you could get one. We have plenty of those around here. Um, but when you read this in the context of the whole thing, it talks about these folks who didn't go into the rest that God had promised them and the giving account of, uh, of everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account. I think the King James says uh, naked. You know, not a not a good feeling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the whole, you know, I don't even like being around naked dudes in the shower. Like, you know, at the at the gym, I'm just completely wigged out. You know, Philip and I have an ab- absolute policy of uh, none of that. You know, in the shower, <laughs> we just, he goes his way, I go my way. You know, anyway. And there's a, there's a couple guys that'll stand in there with perfectly good towels over their shoulder, I'm like, look, dude, i am just. You can wrap it around you, is all I mean, all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> There's one guy especially that we love because I'll get there at like 7.30. And he's a you know, he's like me, he's a big dude, full figured. And, <laughs>
1: and he gets there.
0: I mean, I get there at 7.30, okay? He is getting ready after working out. Okay? I don't know how long he's been in there. When I get done working out, an hour later, he is still in there. <laughs> Usually by then he's at least got his pants on. And the other day he actually looks at one of the guys and gives him a li- you know, man I wish I had- I died laughing because he was very earnest and sincere when he says, man I wish I could get ready as fast as you do. So <laughs> I'm like. Look, I could probably, you know, get a clipboard and help you out and mentor you through this process. I mean, <laughs> lather, rinse, repeat. Like, you don't have to keep doing that. You don't even have to do it once, really. You just... And we leave, and he's still there. I honestly don't know how long it is before he leaves. I've never seen him leave. I've never seen him get there. I know that he's at least in there an hour and a half. That's all I'm saying. Um, laid naked <laughs> before. Um, but that's the thing. When, that's the King James thing, and I think it's the word is to kind of evoke the awkwardness that it's supposed to. Like, ah, you know? And what verse are you on? <laughs> I'm on the naked one. Verse 13. But look at, look at this. <laughs> Follow this, this train of thought. Don't enter into the rest. The Word of God will divide between the soul and the spirit. Not supposed to be like an episode of 24 where you know the sword is going to chop off your fingers until you confess or you know pull out your teeth or whatever those crazy you know, <coughs> torture things are. It's not that it's, a, it's dividing between it's that thin that it can cut through those things and then it goes into you're going to give account for this <coughs> stuff and all that stuff would freak you out if you stop there right? if you stop with that passage and you take it out of context it's kind of freaky and it kind of makes you feel uncomfortable and it kind of thinks man I hope God isn't as ticked as I think he might be Except this. Therefore, because of this, because of us having to give account, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. (laughs) it's saying in the context of this you and i absolutely we're screwing stuff up probably daily i was watching this fascinating story last night uh on a it seems like cults are big business these days and it seems like cult leaders get a lot of action you know what i'm saying like this guy had like seven wives and he was making all the other people's wives marry him and but what was really interesting they kind of skipped over was the whole reason they went to this guy to begin with is they wanted to live a sin-free life. And I don't know if you've tried that lately, the whole I'm not going to sin again thing. I don't know. Has anybody tried that? Like, how did it work out for you? Because not so good for me. You know, I've made about 20 minutes. <laughs> what time is it now? And I'm not in here to give anybody a license. Don't get me wrong because that's Paul would go into that in a different passage and talk about that. But what I'm saying is Jesus, our high priest, the guy that actually is our communicator to the Lord, the guy that is with us representing us to God, our attorney, so to speak, he says, I get it. I was there. And I understand how hard it was, how hard it is. And here's the key. Because sometimes you think, man, God, I don't know if you know how hard this is. He actually knows how hard it is. And Jesus, I can even say that we don't know how hard it was for him. And what I mean by that is that Jesus was tempted exactly like you and I have been tempted, except that he didn't blow it. Okay? So I know how hard it is to be tempted and to blow it. I don't even know how hard it is to be tempted and to not blow it, because I've never been I've never done that. I mean occasionally I'll, I'll you know what I mean, I'll have a series of days or something where I'm like, Okay, doing good, I haven't lost my cool here, I haven't you know. And then I blow it. Jesus never blew it. But by the same token, he understands how hard it is. And here's the controversial thing. This is the kind of thing that makes theologians, you know, relight their pipes (laughs) and and get in the corners, you know, of controversy with each other. But the question of is could Jesus sin? If he was God and He is perfect, could He sin? Has anybody ever thought of that before? Could he have sinned? Could he have sinned? I mean, you insert sin. You know, whether it's with Mary Magdalene or whether it was lying or whether it was. Well, d- okay. No, go. Well, I feel like he. If he had a choice, like he's God, right? So God chose to make heaven earth. God chose to make man. God chose to. So that tells you right there, he's got free will. Mm-hmm. So then he's able to. But he chooses not to. Right. Because he knows everything, and his ways are higher than ours. So I think that probably is why he didn't choose. Because he knows everything. Okay? I think that in the context of him staying connected with his father and doing the things he saw his father doing, it's quite possible that he had the option to do that, but knowing within didn't necessarily know exactly what the destiny was. He didn't necessarily know, oh, okay, in 33 years I'm going to die on a cross. But he knew at some point it was the will of the Father for him to save man and that that would illegitimize that. So I think kind of the greater goal prevented, because otherwise it would be, he couldn't have done that. It wouldn't matter. If right. he would have died and it wouldn't have done anything. Right, because he wouldn't have been the sinless. Yeah. I think also, when I was thinking about it, when if you mean that he's still all-knowing and kind of understanding and seeing, you know, he can still see how the law was created and understanding and how he's changing it, it's kind of like when you at look, looking at a decision, if you could actually see the outcomes, what would happen and the consequence to it, you'd be a lot less likely to do it. So here's him seeing everything and realizing like, oh wait, why would I want to do that because of all of this? And kind of being conscious enough Know that that's wrong. Not because at that point he's not operating off of the, the rules of the laws like a lot of the other people were. He was actually just sitting at the one of us with the wrong and how he was dealing So he just chose not to. I, I actually really agree with what Jeremy is saying. I mean, being fully man, I think that was the option. And of course, going to the, the, the rules of the time, a lot of stuff he was doing are wrong by the <laughs> religious leaders. However, in a cosmic, eternal sense, he chose right every single time. You no, know, I think that everything that Jesus did was to show us today, tomorrow, and the future. And there's a scripture that our family has that says I get strength through Jesus Christ. And just me seeing that he was able to not sin and seeing if that, that was a possibility that I can depend on his strength when well, I don't have it. Yep. So God love it. does, by the way. Because here's my thought. As you really chew on this, okay, what happened at Calvary becomes even more <coughs> amazing and mind-blowing because it, how do I say this right? It could have failed.
1: Jesus could have
0: called down the angels. He could have given the option of uh, when, when Satan he said, here, here's your shortcut. Just bow to me and I'll give you the whole thing right now. So, you to understand the risk that God undertook with this is, to me, mind-blowing. Because, sure, he could have absolutely, I mean, he knew the end and all those things. I mean, you know, but it's... It's the beauty of our God that he's not big enough to be understood. I can't unpack it. you know how can you know <laughs> how can eternal security and divine free will both exist? I don't know, but they do because they're both in the Bible. Mm. Which one do you believe? Yes <laughs> um, I mean I appreciate everybody getting in there you know <laughs> anyways. I'm just saying that in this instance what makes this so amazing okay is that it he could have blown it. He could have chosen, he could have lost his cool in the garden that night, it goes on to talk about in chapter 5, when he cried great drops or he cried tears and drops of blood flowed from him and he said this, he said God I I don't want to do this you know we read it as the the, the passage says if if it you know, if if there's any way let this cup pass from me it wasn't Jesus' will at that moment to do this he looked at this and said I don't want to do this but knowing God's love for us, he said, I'll do it. And the fact that he could live his life knowingly, knowing that that was an option. (laughs) I've tried to figure out ways to, you know, so that I can my little puny mind can wrap around it. A temptation, in order to be a temptation, has to be an option. if, if, If it wasn't an option, then how could Jesus have been tempted? It's not an option. Now, some theologians would say, well, it's the equivalent of you know, it wasn't the actual, the option of the temptation. It was the process of being tempted himself, being around, you know, the, the uh, one of the things I read was it's like being in front of a giant cesspool of sewage, okay? That's not tempting to jump in and take a swim, right? But it's still very stressful to be around it. <laughs> not an option, but kind of freaks you out. I don't want to fall in. I, you know, s- some would say that. I, I, you know, I believe, on the other hand, that Jesus, you know, this it was an option for him. The temptation to be a temptation has to be a temptation. It has to be an option for him to do it. I, I, and for instance, if if Shannon were to come in, all right, and <laughs> and to take a, a gun and just shoot everybody, okay, and a bunch bunch of you guys died, and and I got to go visit her in jail the next day, I wouldn't be able to look at her and say, "Honey, I look. I understand. I feel the same way." I'm, <laughs> You know. I, I, you know I get it, <laughs> I've been there, you know, because it does isn't a temptation to me, that's, that's not something I struggle with. If Shannon were to come in with an entire like room full of chips and cheese dip from Chili's with uh, with a little with a little ground beef cheese dip, you know, you know what I'm oh, talking nice. about, like, mm. and were to, you know, gluttonize herself, is that a verb, It is. Man. gluttonize, somebody write that down, okay. to gluttonize herself, I'd say, honey, I understand. I feel (laughs) you. I know what you're going through. Um, and, and, And that's important because if Jesus is our high priest that is sympathetic with us, I think it's because he can say, I get it. I understand. I was there. I know how hard it is. And he'll take it a step further and say, you don't even know how hard it was for me because I had the option and I didn't take it. It makes you love Jesus even more, doesn't it? goodness he didn't do it and it's because of that he's able to say I get it I understand you know what does Psalms say he, God looks on us he says look I, I understand you're just dust right you're just <laughs> you poor little dirt balls <laughs> bless your hearts I understand you're just dirt you can dress up your dust however you want creatively get your dust your dirt you know you can make little sand castles out of your dirt you know but you're just dirt. And God understands and he feels bad about it and he feels understanding of it. And so he's saying, when, when it says I've got to give account, okay, understand that the guy that I'm going to give an account to is a guy that says I was there. I've been there. I've done that. I bought the t-shirt. I get it. I understand. And when you understand that, that understanding of who Jesus is, that he's a sympathetic high priest, What does it say that we'll do? In verse 16 it says that we can then approach the throne of grace with confidence and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't have to be cowering around in a corner. We don't have to be spooked. We don't have to be laying on a hospital bed terrified. It says that we can go in boldly to obtain mercy and grace. Those are two different concepts. If you've never heard it put this way, mercy and Is not getting what you do deserve. Right? What what do I deserve? I deserve to be separated from God. I don't deserve to be able to have my sins forgiven. I don't deserve to have an eternal relationship with the Father. I don't deserve that. It's not getting, how do I say it? It's, It's not getting what I do deserve. And it is getting what I don't deserve. That's grace grace is getting what I don't deserve. It is that relationship with the Father, that eternity with Him. Mercy is the punishment, the justification, the justice for my sin. Look, God is a just God. It's not that your sin doesn't count and doesn't matter. It's just that God aimed all of His anger and His the justice was aimed at Christ at, on the cross and He absorbed the whole thing. If the wages of sin are death, Jesus cashed the check. It's not ours anymore. Jesus took care of it for us. And so we can go in boldly to obtain mercy. That thing that we don't deserve. I don't deserve mercy. I deserve a cosmic butt whooping. And I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve these things, how good God is to me. I don't deserve that. Neither do you. But that's what grace is all about. To help us in our time of need, the young man that I prayed with this week was in a time of need. <laughs> he needed mercy and he needed grace, and unfortunately, he had spent all this time thinking about it. he had to give account what if he died? What was going to happen? Did he walk? You lose his salvation? He had been told that by somebody. You better get your heart right with God, young man. You gonna make you know see him? You know, I mean, God, this kid was scared out of his mind laying there with his I mean he'd already been through one surgery his head was stitched up they had to go back in because the first one didn't take I mean look he's 19 years old minding his own business on a ski trip has a little crash gets a concussion he's going to tough it out you know goes home and finally the doctor decides to give him an MRI okay if he would have gotten an x-ray or if he would have gotten a CAT scan either one of those they wouldn't have figured out what was going on but he got an MRI what they found out was he had a brain defect since he was born he never knew it and it was going to kill him. Nineteen years old, going to college, driving his jeep, hanging out with the you know with the fellas, carrying on. Next thing you know, he's laying on a bed with his head cut open. And a team. I heard a guy once. A doctor on TV once say that "Surgery is a lot like basically a construction project, but with sharper instruments." <laughs> I was feeling out what I was looking for from it. <laughs> but you think about like you see these guys that get their arms put back together. They're, you know, it's really like little sheets of metal with screws all over. It looks like I did it, but this kid was in that spot. And it, I'm not look. I'm not, not going to give you one of those 1980s altar calls where you know, if you were to rock out of here tonight and and your bus were to crash on the side of the interstate, of Missouri, like Dottie Rambo's, and you were to die, <laughs> which happened, by the way. Um, I that's not that's not my goal here tonight. Is just. Just to give you one of those. My goal is to say, look, we don't know where our life's going to be, but if you have this information, this promise of who God is, it's why it's important that we go to Bible study, to understand this stuff, this meat is what Paul, or whoever the writer of Hebrews just calls it a little bit later, is this meat, because if you're in a time of need, what you need is mercy and grace. You don't need a guy up there with a cosmic Jesus hammer getting ready to beat you over the head. Because the fact is, is because of what Christ did, because of God's mercy, you can find it. You can find grace. You and I can find mercy. And when we understand exactly what what Jesus did, which is he walked this earth, he had the option to blow it, he had the option to sin, and he chose not to. I mean, I don't want to skate over that because that's big. Like, I don't know, I, I guess maybe I'm the only guy, but I used to think of Jesus almost like Superman. Indestructible, you know? Like Spock, no emotion, you know? He just knew it all. And, and he just walked through like he, got a, like he got a hall pass, so to speak. Or he got to cheat, got to go to the front of the line. He didn't have to deal with it like I dealt with it. It's just not, it's not the way that the Bible lays it out there lays it out that he had the option. He didn't do it. He had the option on the cross to walk away from the whole thing, say, forget it. These guys aren't worth it. And he chose the exact opposite of that. And I think that... I think that... We don't have time to talk about Melchizedek tonight. Um... But he's like, thank God. Oh. <laughs> how about, though, that the Bible says that they the Bible refers to Melchizedek, this mysterious figure, as like an elementary thing, saying, oh, you know, it's like a test of how much you know about the Bible. And I think everybody in here would be like, who? We'll talk about him next week. <clears throat> but as, as we leave here tonight, I guess, before we go into worship, what I would ask you is a couple of questions. One, you know, where are you now as far as those sinful options are in your life? Are are you embracing them? Are you holding on to them? I mean, God's got mercy for you. He's got grace. He's got mercy. All those things. But I don't know about you, but that makes me want to let go of them even more. You know, there's this old thing, this fear, I think, that a lot of... uh, older preachers have that if I, if I preach too much mercy and grace that everybody will just think they got a free lunch ticket to go sin all they want and I don't think that that's true I think that if you really understand mercy and you really understand grace that you would say like what Paul said should I just sin more he says absolutely not it's lunacy and it's because it's so amazing it's so unbelievable so crazy good that it makes me want to let go of it even more, because it makes me fall in love with God even more, makes me love Jesus even more, and the more I love my wife, the less I want to do dumb stuff that hurts her. The more I love God, the less I want to do dumb stuff that hurts him. One. Two. What are the things in your own life, ministry-wise, that you're holding off on because you're not ready yet? And I put the words not ready in quotation marks. What is it that God has put on your heart that you want to do someday when you're ready? Because i got to tell you, Jesus' disciples only had three years with Him. And they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have podcasts. They didn't have Sunday services. They didn't have worship nights. They had three years with Jesus. I assure you, that you and I know every bit as much as they knew by the time they were first sent out when he sent them out in twos when they were two years in with him he sent them out for the first blast of ministry they weren't qualified they were dumb they were brazen they were crass I mean at the climax of the you know of, of, of Jesus' life Peter pulls out a sword and cuts the dude's ear off and Jesus is like whoa 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 everybody calm down Apologize, let me get that for you. Put that back on. I'm sorry. He gets a little carried away. What is it that you're not doing because you don't think that you're ready yet? Because maybe you got some stuff going on in your life that you think you gotta get this fixed before I can move into this process. And I want to be careful because in our world, it's not as easy in black and white sometimes because you see a lot of times preachers on TV, you know, who've been, you know, got caught with their uh, neighbor's wife or neighbor's husband, for that matter, um, and we tend to throw rocks at guys like that and say, "Oh man, they're just nothing but a bunch of hypocrites." And I just want you to know that. They're just like you and me. The only problem isn't that they're hypocrites. The problem is, is that we have exalted them and they have maybe allowed themselves to be exalted into a spot where it would let us down. The fact of the matter is, is what am I as a Bible teacher? What is your pastor? What is the, you know Jesse DePlantis, the televangelist? Man, we're just guys. We're all in the same hospital. okay? That's what this is. Jesus is the great physician. We're all in the hospital together. If I'm sitting up here with a Bible in my hand, maybe it's because I've been in the hospital a little bit longer than you guys have, and I know my way around. I know where the orderlies, you know, take their coffee breaks. I know what day to eat what in the cafeteria. I know, you know what I mean? I just know my way around a little bit. I'm here in just as much a need of the healer and the physician as you are. And that's important for two reasons. One, and it's a whole other week, we won't talk about it, so you don't exalt somebody into that spot so that when they do fall, because you think they're the doctor and they're not, you put them up on this pedestal, of course they're going to fall out. I say that for that reason, but more importantly for your reason because you think that I can't do anything in ministry, I can't follow the Lord until I get rid of these other things in my life. i got to get them fixed, i got to get it done, and then I can go forward. And I'm just saying... Maybe start today. Maybe whatever God has put in your heart, go to the throne of grace boldly as we worship tonight. Go to the throne of grace boldly. Obtain mercy. Obtain grace. And say, God, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, What kind of a brilliant plan of the enemy to say that sin disqualifies me from ministry. Nobody would be able to be in the ministry. if, If, in fact, all sin and all fall short of the glory of God, nobody could do it. Nobody. It's it's just true. And I know that we kind of put these big ticket eyes. Well, if it's this one, then I, you know, if I'm just a liar and a cheater and I lose my temper, I can still be in ministry. But if I'm in this sin, then I can't be in ministry. Jesus doesn't make any distinction like that at all. And the fact is, is this. You and I are all called to the ministry of reconciliation. All of us are called. We didn't sign up to get into a club. We didn't sign up for a country club membership we signed on to a, we signed on to an army to a team to a battle that is not ours it's not against flesh and blood it's against principalities and powers we're, that's what we're in and just by being here tonight man you're advancing in the ministry washing cars yesterday that was ministry going to Haiti this summer taking a buddy at work who's maybe down on their luck out for lunch calling that friend who's been ostracized by their brothers and sisters in Christ to the church and just saying, look bud, I love you I accept you, that's ministry what is it that God has put in your heart that you're not doing because you have disqualified yourself because God didn't disqualify you you disqualified yourself the coach didn't put you on the bench, you did And get off the bench tonight guys get back in Go to the throne, get grace and mercy, and get back in the team. Because let me tell you, and we're going to talk about next week, the difference between babes, <laughs> babes, my wife, and <laughs> babes in the word, like little babies, and grown-ups. And it talks about milk, and it talks about meat. <laughs> I have some babe. I love steak. Lo- no, I mean, I love steak. Like, probably unhealthy, I love for steak probably at least two inches of my 36 inch waist were from red meat alone (laughs) meat versus milk and we're going to talk about it next week but what the distinction was this a babe in Christ is And read this chapter 5 read it and come back with some maybe some questions or whatever but the differentiation is a, 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 a grown up in Christ is someone that understands the message of righteousness of being in right standing with God versus somebody who doesn't. That's the differentiation that chapter 5 makes. And we're going to talk about it next week. And it fits right in with what we talked about tonight. It's not another beat-you-down message. It's a build-you-up, right-standing with God. So I want to pray, and Jeremy's going to maybe lead us a couple of songs. And if you sing, great. And if not, maybe it's your time. to. This is your opportunity to go to the throne of grace and mercy tonight, to get what you don't deserve and not get what you do deserve to hang out with your high priest a little bit. Father, we come before you with just humble hearts and minds that are, at least my mind anyways, blown away, God, by how good you are, how great and amazing you are. And tonight I want to go into your throne of grace and mercy myself, and I invite my friends here tonight to, to join me. And Lord, if if you've got something for all of us, for any of us individually, let us hear from you tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, get off the bench and back into the game. We're done disqualifying ourselves, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.